Welcome. Welcome. I'm glad you could make it. Thanks for being here. I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that are Mountain Challenged. At least we usually do this every Wednesday. Last week we missed just because I was ill. Sorry about that. And then a couple of weeks ago we missed because I was off in Louisville at the Triple Crown Fish Convention Extravaganza. So, but besides that, we're here every Wednesday. Almost always. Just for some weird reason this month, <laughs> we missed twice, I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, glad to be back. Sorry I had to miss last week. Doing better. Still kind of tired, but pretty much recovered. No, it was not the Rona. I got tested for, for the virus and uh, did not have that. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> wasn't that. Didn't get what other people got at the convention. But it, it just felt miserable. It was just fever and aches, and it kind of felt like a flu kind of thing. So, no fun. Had to miss one day of work, and then the other days I came to work, but I was just kind of miserable. Um, but I'm happy to say that for the last several days, I've been feeling a lot better. So, thanks for everyone that sent well wishes and such. And, um, yeah, we're, we're on the mend and back at it. Okay. We have... A show for you tonight. We're going to start with our shipping report and we have a neat giveaway and then I'm going to tell you about what's been going on uh, here for the last couple weeks at the warehouse at Dan's Fish Warehouse and after that we'll get to your questions and comments. So starting with the shipping report. Um, starting uh, a week ago would have been uh, August 10th. So we had two issues actually on the 10th last Wednesday. And they were, one, one is that we lost a Romino's Tetra. And the other one, the one that really hurts is we sent someone uh, a group of hatchet fish and the whole group did really poorly. So I'm not sure what happened exactly. But, so this is a tricky case. So I've had these hatchet fish for how long? I'm going to say at least two months, probably three months. This was a batch that came in very stressed and, and very shaky, which is why we held on to them so long before we sold them. And we made sure that everyone was good for several weeks uh, before we listed them for sale, right? And then it still took another couple weeks after that for them to go ahead and sell. So we were thinking, hey, everyone's been good for a long time. They, they'll be good shipped them in a either something happened in shipping that they got something went wrong and and they that did them in or maybe they were fine here with all the TLC they got but then when they got shipped they got stressed and whatever the issue is that they might have had before could have reemerged could have raised its ugly head again due to that stress and taken hold don't know which scenario it is but i think it's one of those two scenarios um, usually, when we take this long to nurse a fish back to health and make sure it's acting totally normal for several weeks before we list it for sale, almost always, that fish will ship just fine and do just great long term. But there is a very small percentage of those cases where the fish doesn't do well and I never know if it's shipping or sometimes I suspect, no way to know for sure, but sometimes I suspect it might be that whatever they had 
all it needed was was some stress to come along and, and let that thing re-emerge. So uh, apologize to that customer. So sorry that happened. We thought they were ready. They, every indication was that they were good to go. So apologize that they didn't do well for you. So that, that always hurts when like, when you have an order that goes out, usually what happens is we send orders and nothing goes wrong. <laughs> That's usually what happens. But when something does go wrong, usually it's like, oh, of all the orders we sent out, maybe there was one issue or maybe two issues, like individual fish having issues. But when it's like the order has a lot of a single fish in it in that every all those fish of that species have the issue, oh, that hurts so bad. Um, it's a bad experience for the customer, of course. And then here at Dance Fish, we keep very careful track of any DOAs or any anything that passes after it arrives to our customers due to the stress of shipping or whatever. And uh, we, we wanna keep that percentage less than 1% issues, either DOA or ooh, it arrived rough, but maybe it'll pull through and then if a few days later it doesn't, um, we count that as well. Um, and when you get the big group, it's just, it hurts because it, it we keep a close eye on that percentage. That's the most important statistic we have here at Dance Fish is are the fish arriving alive and thriving for our customers? And when we get a whammy like that, it's just a, it's a little demoralizing for the crew and I. I we're fine, but you know your percentages take a whammy. <laughs> so um, that was no fun. But so there's there's two orders that I'm aware of that have had issues since this time last week, and uh, apologize to those customers. And yeah. But even with all that, our percentages of losses are very low. So, you know, this, this is a little spike, but that'll get rounded out on the uh, bell curve as we go through the next several weeks, as it always does. Anyway, that's the shipping report. And uh, yeah, not perfect, worse than usual, especially with that one box of hatchet fish that didn't do well, but it is what it is. Now for something fun. The giveaway. We're gonna give away some Celestichthys, try to say that 10 times fast, Chopre, which is also known as, drum roll please, boom, the Glow Light Danio. These guys are spectacular. They're, they're just a colorful nano fish, peaceful, only get around an inch, maybe slightly over an inch. And the reason we're giving these away is for the last few weeks, they've been mind-blowingly colored up. The batch is super happy, has been for a long time, and is coloring in and looking fantastic. Um, here's a picture of a previous batch. The ones we have in now are even, even better, I would say. Um, just feeling feisty, and so they're loving the creek water. These were, this, this picture, these were, um, well, where am I? This picture over here. Yeah, can't point on camera. I'm gonna stop trying. There we go. That, those guys. Um, these fish were before we moved to the warehouse, and, and they look great. But the the ones we have now are just loving the creek water, doing doing even better, fired up even brighter. So the giveaways for those, we'll send you at least six of them. So nice little group. Um, they they do great in groups. I like them in a big group. Like, I like putting, you know, 30 of them in a 40 breeder or something like that because of all the action. You get, you know, a few little colorful fish together. They're kind of neat, but you get a big group of small colorful fish together and they have an impact. A lot of people ask, you know, what should I do for a centerpiece fish? And 
a lot of the time, I think something that you could do is instead of one larger centerpiece fish, do a group of small colorful nano fish and, and make that school or shoal of fish your centerpiece. So anyway, if you're interested, oh, I was gonna, I meant to stay there. If you're interested in these guys, then you can enter to win six of them by entering hashtag glow, hashtag G-L-O-W in the chat. Caps don't matter, but no spaces. Hashtag G-L-O-W, hashtag glow for glow light, Daniel. I thought of putting like so bright, but that was longer. And I, I, I thought that maybe people wouldn't know how to spell bright. It's a, one of the, a little more complex <laughs> with the G-H. I thought we'd get a bunch of B-R-I-T-E's in there. So just glow, we can all do that. All right. Hey, Danikin, thanks for joining. Thanks, welcome to the Fishmonger crew. Thanks for joining up, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I should say thanks to all the members. It's been impressive. <laughs> How many folks have, have come on as members? Thank you so much. And for those that don't know, what we're, I should switch screens now. What we're doing for that, it's not active yet. Um, it's gonna take some, some coding and working with YouTube, but the plan is to make it so that if you are a member, that you get first dibs on, on new fish when they're released at dancefish.com. So often we get fish in that are hard to find, that are highly sought after, the waiting list is really long for them, and we have a lot of people that are waiting and often we'll list fish and they'll sell out just, just like that. Not in every case, but a lot of the rarer stuff, harder to find stuff. And so the, I thought a good perk for a member would be, and something that we could handle without having to create a bunch of extra video content, because I just don't have time to do that, to, to be bluntly honest. And I didn't want to do memberships until we could add value. So we thought something that would be of value is to make it so that members get to see new fish when they're special, right? Not like, oh, we just sold out of the neon tetras that are listed, but we have 50 more, so we'll do a relist. You know, nothing like that. But something that we think is cool that people uh, are waiting for, that they'll have a 12-hour head start or something like that. So when we list the new fish for sale, the members will see it for 12 hours before anyone else sees it's available. And that'll give them a chance to get some of that stuff um, in and not miss out on it as a, as a privilege of being a member, as, as a is a perk for being a member. Now, the reason we're launching memberships, Alexander Englehart, thank you, Alexander. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well, my friend. Um, the reason we had to launch memberships before we had the functionality for that to happen is we could not get the, the API from YouTube to integrate with our website to code that, to, to build that functionality until memberships were live. So what we wanted to do was get that all coded out and built and then bring on members and say immediately that's the perk but we can't uh <laughs> we had to build it uh, get you guys on first and now youtube's um talking with us and hopefully we get the api soon and get that going we put in a request for that what was it two weeks ago when we first launched memberships the first thing we did was request the api from youtube and we've been bugging them a lot and they, they finally got back to us and said Oh, we received this, we'll take a look. So we haven't got the API yet, but the plan is to get it and then build that functionality. So that's what we're doing. That's what we can handle right now. As, as time goes on, we'll, we'll add other things to the memberships, but that's, uh, 
that's the one we think we can handle to add value now. And <laughs> I found some gems when I was <laughs> when I was looking at other channels to see what they did for memberships. My favorite was Steen Fought Aquatics. <laughs> Steen Fought Aquatics memberships thing says, buy Bob a toilet. And then the higher tier of membership says, I think it says something like, um, you can use my toilet when you come to visit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> if, that's, if that's the level of what, what it takes for to get members, we can start without the perk being active and build it from there. So, Steenfot, thanks for the inspiration. By the way, Steenfot Aquatics released a cool video on the gobies that we have here at Dance Fish. So, check out Steenfot Aquatics channel if you want to see that. It's a real kind of in-depth tour of the gobies. And we don't just show the gobies. We also talk about the specific care and different, um, I guess, habits and behaviors and feeding needs and things of, of the different groups, genuses of gobies that we have in stock. So. Um, that's worth worth checking out. And if you do, do decide to buy anything from dancefish.com, if you wouldn't mind using Steenfot Aquatics affiliate link, then then Bob will get a little cut of that sale and we can help him build his tiny house. So whether you bought from from us before or not, if you use that link, it helps it helps Bob out every time. So I know Bob's been around and has helped a lot of us over the years and provided a lot of entertainment and laughs and uh, dry humor and so uh want to help him build this tiny house anyway that's the shipping report and that's how to enter the giveaway for six glow light danios I, I think i can fit six in the box i don't think we're going to go higher than that and with that let me tell you about the challenge we've had here for the last two weeks so it's been an interesting ride um, a couple weeks ago uh, a vital piece of equipment here at the the fish warehouse ceased to function. It's a freak drive, variable frequency drive, which um, allows the pump out at the well to modulate. So instead of just being on at 100% or off at 0%, this uh, freak drive talks to the pump and tells it, oh, we only need you to be running at 30% right now. We have enough water, so sh come down from 50% to 30%. And then if later it's like oh we need a little more water the, the it it allows the pump to modulate up a little bit so we can keep the the pressure in the system steady and everything going nicely and the free the freak drive basically is run by a computer that keeps tabs on the pressure and temperature and all that and tells the freak drive based on those data points what to tell the pump to do and how much power to give the pump basically well that went out and so it's been kind of a an interesting couple of weeks figuring out how to keep things running without that very important piece of equipment. We've done it. Uh, we were able to figure out how to wire the pump up differently and, and run in a more manual fashion, which has required a lot more care and attention and time. So <laughs> we've been here a lot the last couple of weeks, but we, we figured it out and it wasn't a fun experience, but I will say it's, it's good to have gone through it because we learned more about our system and we learned, you know, what to do when that happens. We, we now know next time exactly how to handle a situation like that. But that on top of being sick last week has made it an interesting couple of weeks. So um, it's pretty stressful when a major piece of equipment goes down. And I don't know if anyone here has tried to work with a <laughs> electronics manufacturer to get a quick repair and quick turnaround, but uh, it, uh, it was a challenge. 
But I'm happy to say that as of today, it's been repaired and it's we're back up and running as usual. So I won't have to stay here so late tonight and uh, we're back up and running. But it was, <laughs> so week number one was finding out what was wrong, diagnosing the problem, uh, dealing with the manufacturer. And they, they send us new uh, boards, basically a data board and an inverter board and put those in put the data board in, it still didn't work, so put the inverter board in, turn the system on, boom, explosion, right? The, the board popped. <laughs> it was very discouraging. So we were all excited because we we're good, we got the boards, we'll replace it, we put the new boards in, boom. <laughs> Not fun. So anyway, uh, that board exploded. So then we talked to the company and we showed them how it was wired and everything. By the way, we had a master electrician do this. We, we did not do the wiring ourselves. There's some things you don't want a redneck engineer. And, uh, okay, those boards you sent, we did the thing you said in the order you said. We followed the instructions and explosion. And so they went over all the wiring with the guy. And we, you know, these days it's nice. You can have video chats and you can take pictures. And even if the manufacturer is not present, physically you can go over everything with them so they, they went over everything the electrician with the techs and based on what they saw they couldn't figure out why anything was wrong why, why had they read an explosion no idea so we had to remove the whole freak drive drive it over to uh, rapid city where this company is and they were able to go over it and finally diagnose the problem which was uh, further back in the the unit get it all fixed and now we're up and running but I'll tell you it's uh, when you're really tired and sick and you've had to manually control a system that should be on automated for a week and you finally get the replacement parts and the master electrician puts them in and you're like, finally, yes, this is going to work. And you turn the system on and it literally explodes. <laughs> I'm usually a pretty calm guy, but that might have pushed me to a limit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was no fun but we're back up and running now so everything turned out well but that's been my last two weeks it's it's been interesting been interesting um rosie thank you so much for joining up as a member really really appreciate it thank you so much welcome to the fishmonger crew all right that's what's going on here a um, couple other things we have an amazing order of um fish to release they will be going out next week normally i would have listed them all today but i've been sick and i've been tied up manually running a system that should be automated and um just couldn't get that all done uh so next week though we will have some amazing stuff to list some stuff that i'm sure you've never seen before um, and then the week after that, we should have amazing stuff as well. So just just stay tuned for next week. Uh, the one thing I guess I should I, I should show you the one that is the purple. Good. Let's see here. Oh, what's the name of that thing? Oh, well, that's not good. Um, It's the purple sailfin gudgeon. Um, 
But I'm putting in purple gudgeon and all I'm seeing is purple spotted gudgeon. Shoot, how can I find this without taking forever? I, I can't. So, um, Amazonas Magazine did an article on them a few months ago. They're an amazing fish. I've been on the hunt for them for a couple years. Finally got a group in, so those will be available next week. Along with, finally, some um, clouded archer fish. So, if Bunny Viper is here, Bunny Viper, we finally got a great group of Burmese clouded archers in, Toxotis blythei. Um, a true freshwater archer fish does not need brackish water in the wild, full fresh all the time, is landlocked in freshwater, does not have any, any relationship with the ocean. So that's pretty exciting. So Bunny Viper, we finally got some in for, for you, so thank you. Um, I did, before I got to questions and comments, I did want to ask one thing of you guys. We had a customer this week, sometime in the last few days, who has had some struggles with his uh, Melanotinia uh, marisai that he got from us. And so he asked, are other people having a trouble? What's going on here? And, and I want to know that too. So as far as I know, the marisai that we've sent out are doing well for people. I think this is a fairly isolated incident, but I did want to ask if other folks are having trouble. Um, are the, are the Marisite doing well for you? If not, if you've had problems and I don't know about it, if you wouldn't mind sending us an email, hello at dancefish.com, that's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com, or feel free to leave it in the chat, um, and we, we don't mind being transparent and talking about problems here live, it's okay. We, you know, sometimes things happen, we don't try to hide that or anything, so we can talk about that. But I just want to know, I think this is isolated, but if it's a case where like everybody that we're sending the Melanotania Marisite to is having an issue, then I want to know that so I can uh, be better prepared for the next group that we're going to release soon. And, and if it's not, if it's like, oh, this was an isolated incident or something like that, then it's like, okay, good, everything's still fine. We can release the, uh, the new group. Bunny Viper, your site says you're out of archers. We are. We have them in stock, but they won't be listed. They won't be ready for sale until uh, next week. But we do have them in, and they're doing great. All right. Let's see. Oh, there is one other thing before we get to questions and comments I wanted to ask folks. There's something that's a little bit of a mystery that's been resolved, but I wanted to pick your brains about it. You need the hive mind. So yellow acara for us, had been like super outgoing fish in general, um, have been eager eaters and doing well. And we, we've had a group that we've had for quite a while. We sent one to a customer and he put it in a tank that looked great. It had plenty of scape and stuff. Um, the tank mates were maybe larger and I, my first thought was they could be bullying him, but the customer said there's no bullying happening. They're like severums and things like that. So peaceful larger cichlids. But it took like I think two weeks before that yellow acara started eating for that customer in its new home. Now I know sometimes cichlids can take a little while to settle in. They're one of the more intelligent fish, right? So they, they wanna know their environment and settle in before they can start eating sometimes, not always. So my thought is that it, it probably just needed a little extra time to settle in. But it's weird because it was they were so settled in here 
that I was very surprised a customer had a problem and none of the other customers we've sold any yellow Acara to have reported any problems. So I wanted to get um, any ideas on that. Does anyone have experience with yellow Acara or a similar fish? And, and do you know why after being shipped to a new home it might refuse to eat for a couple weeks? Especially when those fish tend to eat all the time everything very very quickly like they're <laughs> they're very eager feeders um, so just curious if anyone has an idea my only idea is like for some reason it just didn't really settle in and feel comfortable for two weeks it took that long but that's what I'd like to know okay let's see here I saw someone rockin fish says my three marisai are doing well in a 60 gallon community tank okay good ginger coats my yellow Akara is the tank boss yeah that's that's what I would expect and watches me, waits for special treats, I give it. Yeah. that's See, that's what I would expect from a yellow Acara. I'd expect them to be out and about. And I ordered Melanotanium Marisai twice, and both times had amazing success. Okay. So this appears... I'll check my email later. Sometimes when something goes wrong, uh, people don't want to air it publicly. They, you know, they just don't want that... I don't know. They're not comfortable with that. So I'll check my email and make sure that... Um, Things are going well there. Or Johnny can check, actually, Johnny, and tell us if if what we're seeing in chat is reflected in the email. But it looks like the folks that are letting us know... So that's three orders of Marisay so far that are doing well. Oh, Larissa Muth brings up a good point. The yellow Akara wasn't eating stealthily at night or picking up microfauna in the tank. It could have been. and probably, probably was eating when it wasn't being watched. But um, feeding time, you know, the normal thing, the normal feeding time, it was not eating. It is now, but it wasn't. And also, now it only wants to eat bloodworms, whereas before it would eat these flakes, pellets, bloodworms, brine, whatever we fed it, really. So it's almost like it's, I don't know, <laughs> reverted back to his childhood or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm confident that it'll be, um, if, if it started eating bloodworms, it'll also start eating the other stuff pretty soon. But it's just so strange to me. Kids, Aquatics, and Exotics, Yellow Akara are more sensitive to water parameters and adjust longer in in Bob's experience. Okay, that's good to know. Just, I'll, I'll get back to the chat and everything in just a moment, guys. Uh, we'll get back to the normal thing. I'm just trying to solve a problem right now, so if you'll bear with me, I'm reading some stuff. A cars like to be in groups. The change to being solo might have been a bit too much, and it went into a shell. Could be, although, Paul, I've seen both things. I've seen where um, a car do well in groups, but I've also seen a few members of a group get bullied, and when I moved them to a tank by themselves, then they really came into their own and, you know, were, were happy. So I've seen both scenarios work. Alicia AS, size of the clouded archers. I'd have to go measure them, Alicia, but they're not big. Um, I hate to say, I'm going to say two inches, give or take a bit. They're not big, but they're awesome. The batch is, is solid. Often when you bring in clouded archers, it takes several weeks to nurse them back to health because often they, they come in in poor shape. These didn't. These came in good shape, so I think they're going to be, I think they're going to do great. 
Okay, I think that's... Oh, here's another one. Larissa, were the yellow car eating... Oh, we already got that one. Okay, I'm not seeing anyone else talking about the yellow car. Oh, here we go. The yellow car because I got some wild cut. Weird with the yellow car because I got some wild cut Nanochroma Splendids recently that I expected to be tough and feed, and they settled immediately. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, Train, I'll get back to you. I see your comment about the rummy nose. Okay, all right. Well, we'll get back to the normal uh, normal flow of the show here. Sorry, I just wanted to quickly see if I could get some some answers here so I can just figure out, so I can learn, basically. All right. Going to scroll up and get to questions and comments now. But before I do, I want to thank my moderators for being here every week and moderating. Out of the goodness of their heart, they're just volunteering their time. I find that amazing that they would take an hour and a half of their life every week to show up here and for free as volunteers make this chat work so thanks i really appreciate you cheers okay buddy viper when bob mentions his affiliate link he says it's for people who have never purchased from you as an incentive. Otherwise, I'd have used it in the last few times. So that's true. Um, if you haven't bought from us before and you click Bob's affiliate link, then you get a, a small discount on your first order. But if you have bought us from us before and you click the link, then, uh, then Bob still gets a little cut of those sales. I know it's not the normal way companies do things. We're, we're, we're trying a few things and trying to see what works. Ginger Coats, the hatchets looked perfect, but exhausted. I don't think they shipped well. I got a pretty good sized box of fish and everyone else was fine. Okay, good. Glad to hear it. Oh yeah, I remember that box of fish. <laughs> now that you mentioned that, that was like a, yeah, that was a nice big box. All right, Ginger, thanks for chiming in. And sorry again that the hatchets didn't do well for you. It's very disappointing to hear. <laughs> Who is the electrician? Tim the tool man? It, it turns out it was not the electrician's fault. Um, the Once the phase panel got back to the uh, manufacturer, they tore it apart and did their tests and they, they found a fault uh, in the panel that had nothing to do with the electrician. So it had to do with the manufacturing and it was done in such a way that if you replaced the boards that we replaced, you would get an explosion. So yeah. I I don't understand all the details. There was a lot of technical jargon in it, but that's that's what happened. So it wasn't Tim the Toolman. Our electrician's actually awesome. And trust me, if there was any way that the manufacturer could have blamed the electrician, they would have. But there wasn't. I mean, he's smart. Like so, before he does any work, the, before he replaced anything, he took pictures of everything, how everything was wired, so he could show the company, and he would have something to go off took them out, replaced them, took pictures of how everything was wired, sent it to the company. So, you know, he, he showed them step-by-step step what he was doing, so. Hunter McLaren, I know that female Black Tiger Daniels and Scarlet Battis are vanishingly rare, but what level of production would be needed to establish a domestic supply of the species? Um, 
if you could breed them and produce males and females, which I'm sure you could do if you were breeding them yourself, then uh, I'd probably be able to buy, I don't know, a couple hundred every month or so from you, something like that. So, yeah, if you, if you have both and you're producing them, Hunter, please email me, hello at dancefish.com. I would love to be able to source domestically bred um, Dario's so that uh, not only is that, then they don't have to go through import and all that, they can, you know, don't have that stress in their lives, but also if we can spread males and females around, people would love that. I would love to be able to sell males and females if they could be produced. Oh, there it is. Johnny, thank you so much for the scientific name of the uh, purple sailfin gudgeon, which I could not find earlier. So here's the fish that I'm talking about. It's a beauty. Now, bear in mind, this is not colored up. This is not breeding coloration. This is just standard, just arrived coloration. These guys are absolutely stunning, even when they're not specially colored. Aquarium Glazer's website has a bunch of great information and pictures of them. Um, look at that. Now, I've seen video of them when they're colored up to spawn, and, and the whole fish is like a bright purple color. I think, as long as that video wasn't doctored. You never know for sure. But the ones we have look every bit as good as this, for sure. A little bit of color on these fins and, and nice high dorsal with some good color in them. So, um, oh yeah, is this the, wait, I think, oh yeah, here's the Amazonas Magazine. September and October of 2021, where there's a nice article on, on this fish. And I, they call them a gudgeon. To me, they look a lot more like a, a gara. You know, I don't know if scientifically they're closely related to gudgeons, but... To me, I think we should call them purple sailfin garas, but, you know, the name's been established. Where was it? There was... Here it is. This is the picture that I've seen before, and I think I saw a video of this as well, where they're like a nice, bright purple in-spawning coloration. But again, you never know in this industry how much is real and how much is stuff that has been, you know, touched up. Wow, look at that. Woo! Look at that fancy hill stream loach. I think that's what that is. Oh man, something I love about doing this is it never gets old. There's always something to learn. There's always something else to try. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna die and not have even scratched the surface of the freshwater aquarium fish hobby. It's just it never gets old. There's always a new challenge. Bunny Viper, thanks so much for the super chat. Much love to you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, questions and comments. Here we go. Oh, Kelly Foreman left a super chat. Kelly, it did not show me. But I see it here. Are you getting more blue axelrod... Okay, let me slow down. Are you getting more blue axelrod eye rasboras soon? I just set up a larger tank, so the ones I have need lots of new friends. Um... I will do that the next time that supplier's list is available. There's a specific supplier I like to get those from because they tend to come in a lot fatter and healthier. I've tried lots of suppliers and the other ones come in pinched and emaciated and take forever to get back to health. 
and you and you know you lose some of them as well so as soon as the supplier with the good ones has more available i'll put in a large order that's a fish that uh that i like to keep in stock when possible i don't know for sure though when they'll when they will have them available but yes i do plan to bring them in Paul Soltero, thank, oh, thanks again for the, the comment about, I think I already got that one about the cars and groups. And yes, Alicia and AS, the clouded archers are not picky to feeders at all. Never have been. They'll, they'll eat uh, flakes, they'll eat pellets, they'll eat anything that stays up, you know, towards the top of the aquarium. Freeze-dried foods are good for them. Not picky, not hard to feed. Stacy Lynn, welcome. Thanks for joining the Fishmonger crew. If I didn't already say thanks. And by the way, if I missed anyone that joined up, I'm real sorry, but chat forces me to keep moving because it, it'll jump on me and I can't get down far enough to see, or up far enough to see um, folks if I accidentally missed you. Okay, A-Train. I have two Rominos that has some tail damage. One lost its tail, but it keeps on growing back. Should I keep those two in a separate tank or keep them with the other nine? First of all, A-Train, um, if you got those from, from me, from dancefish.com, I'm sorry that you're having some trouble. Um, I don't know if you did or not, but if those came from me, my, apologize, my apologies. As far as tail growth, I'd be kind of surprised if the rummy nose are picking on each other. If you're observing that, then yes, I would, I would absolutely separate the, those two. But the thing is, Rominos like to be in groups. So this is a case where the question is, is it more stressful on the fish to be separated and maybe get some, you know, special care? Will that be more stressful versus staying in the group, maybe being less stressed but not receiving maybe as much special care? That's, that's always the game with this, right? You see, it appears to be growing back. So I would count that as something happened, but it's on the mend. If the tail is showing signs of regenerating, personally, without being there and seeing the details and only having like one or two sentences to go off here, um, I would keep them together. I think shoaling fish, it would just be less stressful for them, I think. So that's the gamble I would take. Provided, of course, that the water parameters are good, that the water is nice and clean, and that uh, the tail can regenerate, and there's not so much, I don't know, bacteria or protozoans or whatever constantly attacking the fish that it's having trouble growing back. So it's not a judgment on you or anything. Um, clean water is just amazing is all I'm saying. In general, I'm not talking specifically about this fish or your tank. I, I Maybe your, your tank might be perfect. I have no idea. But it is one thing that if the water is not nice and clean, if, if there's a lot of organic waste in there and you've got a whole bunch of uh, protozoans and other little critters, bacteria and stuff, feasting on that, that those same things can reach population levels where, where they will also feast on damaged tissue on fish. But I think I would keep it there because it appears to be growing back. So that's, that's the sign that I would probably keep it there. Not a veterinarian, don't know all the details, but that's... That's my guess from based on what I have. Kato, thanks for joining up. Welcome to the Fishmonger Crew. Hey, that almost rhymes. Welcome to the Fishmonger Crew. Eh, close. <laughs> Alexander, need membership gifting turned on. 
Alright, Alexander, let me see if I can figure out how to do that for you. And thanks for the super chat. Much appreciated. Okay, real quick, I'm going to take a little detour here. Will, will it allow me to do that yet? I'm so new to the memberships. Um, let me just see if I can figure it out. Alright, I'm looking. Memberships here. See more. And. Okay, bear with me for half a second, folks. We're just going to really quickly see if I can find out how to turn gifting memberships on with a quick perusal. And if it turns out to be anything more than a quick perusal, don't worry. I'll stop and we'll, we'll do it another time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see on the memberships page action menu. No. Add a membership link to your video description. No. Okay, I, I don't see it, Alexander, but I will dig in. I'll make a note. Because, uh, when I was talking about possibly bringing memberships on, uh, when when Steenfot was here, he and I were talking about that. He mentioned turning on gifty memberships as well. Memberships notes. This is how I get stuff done. Put the sticky on the whiteboard. All right, and Johnny will pester me about it as well. So. We'll get that figured out. Provided we can, I don't know if it's one of those things that YouTube makes you wait till you hit a certain threshold before you can do it or not. Um, but provided I can, I will do that. And thanks so much for the super chat. Much appreciated. Uh, Jermur, I received my shipment to Tennessee and all was well. Glad to hear it. Just about 99% of the time, that's the case. So that's what we expect. Bunny Viper, just so you know, I'd love to be a member, but apparently can't join from an iPhone. I have no access to a computer. Understand. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no no worries. I, I get it. When I'm on my phone, I can't uh, do certain things as well. Like when I leave the, I try to leave a comment directed at the streamer, it won't highlight for them. Things like that. <laughs> And A-Train, would you uh, let me know in the comments? Would you put a comment to me letting me know if you got those Rominos from me or not? Um, just anytime there's a problem with any fish we sell, we, we want to know because we keep track of all that really diligently. So if we start seeing a pattern in a group of fish or something like that, we, we can take action. So that's really helpful to us if you don't mind letting us know. Bex Fish Room. Bex, I hope you're doing well. Good to hear from you. Thanks for everything you do, Dan. Right back at you, sister. Thank you as well. This is so weird though. Like, look at this, folks. This is what I'm trying to work with here. So these are the only super chats that are showing up in the super chat section, which I tend to have on so I can, because I miss them in chat. I'm, I'm doing other things, right? I'm responding to comments and stuff. So all I see is Bunny Viper, Kato joined, and Alexander, and Kato's Aquatics. Thanks. Hey, thanks for joining up, Bob. Um, but, for example, Beck Super Chat, it's right here in chat, but it doesn't show up here, which is so weird. 
So I'm doing my best with what I got, folks. <laughs> Ginger Coat says that her Marisai are doing fine. All right, good to hear. Jason Lang, loving all my rainbows from Dance Fish. Quality source for rainbows. Jason, I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. And uh, we do do our best. But statistically, at some point, something will go wrong for someone. And just let us know, guys. We will work for you. We'll take, we'll take care of you. Jess Aquatics. Hey, Dan, I got a group of yellow L333s a few months ago. Are they the Bello Monte? So, yeah, um, the L333 has all kinds of common names. So, but some people do call them Bello Montes. Um, some people call them Yellow King Tigers. But it's, it's all the same fish, as far as I know. Now, if someone's a Pleco nerd here, and is like, no, the Bellamonte is one location and the others come from a different location. You want to keep them separate. Please chime in and let me know. But as far as I know, the L333s are only from that one section um, around Bellamonte, no matter what they're called. So that's, Jeff, my understanding. But I am far from being an expert on Hypencistris. So um, please get a second opinion <laughs> before you, you know go take action on that information hey train the group we're talking about the rummy nose a couple of which have some tail issues went through quarantine and then a week of marison treatment i thought they could have had fin rot but the edges of the fins aren't discolored could they just be injured absolutely yes absolutely um rummy nose i don't think pick on each other much but there are definitely fish that that it's it's just normal for them to have slightly tattered fins because they're constantly sparring and things uh, we just sent out a group of, uh, not a group, a cactus pleco. Uh, cactus plecos are constantly sparring, so the fins are almost, if you have more than one in the tank, the fins are almost never exactly, you know, nice and smooth. There's always a tatter here and there. Um, another thing that can happen, and we're so careful to make this not happen, but when we handle the fish, sometimes we can inadvertently cause damage. Now, it Again, we're super careful. I don't want people to think that we're damaging fish all day long, but it's when you're handling a, a little fish like a Rominos Tetra, it's literally like your King Kong um, handling a person, right? It, it, that's the, or, well, maybe even more. A, a Rominos Tetra was, would only be two fingers, right? King Kong, a person fits across his palm. So King Kong handling a kitten, I don't know. So. We're very careful, but I think there are times when just completely inadvertently we might harm a fish while we're netting it out to ship it um, or rebagging it or any of those things. Just just because our big King Kong fingers, even though we're careful, the discrepancy in size and power between us and a Romino's Tetra is significant. One thing that I think could happen is when they're in the net, um, is they can kind of scrape their fin on the net or get it caught on the net a little bit. Nets are great. They have holes in them, which allows us to get fish, but those holes are also can create a, a slight roughness sometimes. So injury is always possible. Maria Z. Maria, hey, sister, I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the Fishmonger crew. Wayne's Aquatics. Hello, good evening. What would cause a bristlenose to burrow? Well, I, I think it's fairly normal for lots of plecos to kind of eke out a little indentation. Like if there's a piece of wood or something and they want to get under it and there's not quite enough room, they'll kind of 
they'll kind of work at it until they're, they're under there a bit. I wouldn't call them a real burrowing species, but a bristlenose will definitely... Well, first of all, they, they want to be in cover, right? All plecos that I'm aware of want to be secure, and for them to feel secure, they want to be in a tight space. They want to feel the space around them. Um, in the wild, they live in... Like, if you go to a river and it's full of, you know, good-sized river rocks all stacked on each other and stuff like that, that's kind of the environment that a lot of these plecos come from. In fact, the way they catch a lot of the ancestress is they'll go to these fast-flowing rivers that have a bunch of river rock in them, they'll put the net downstream, and they'll flip the rock over, with, and then when the pleco is released, it, go, it flows right into the net. So in the wild, they're burrowing in all those little cracks and crevices and crannies that are created when you stack a bunch of rocks on top of each other. And they want to feel secure. They want to know that if a predator came by or something, they could puff up and stick out their fins and wedge in there and be safe. So they like to feel the sides of their space around them. So if it's trying to find a secure spot like that, and there aren't some that are perfect, then it's going to kind of work its way in there and, and kind of burrow a little bit. I have seen that. Also, I've seen them... There's another action that, that Ancestress do, which maybe isn't burrowing but could kind of look like it. When they're trying to fend off a piece of food, let's say you dropped a, I don't know, a sinking wafer in there or something. If the pleco wants to eat that, it'll go get it and it'll kind of back up to it, right? It kind of does this backwards shimmy up to it. And when other fish come around to try to eat it, it'll kind of shimmy around. And sometimes that might look like it's burrowing. Although that's more like a get away from my food action. So that's my thoughts. Um, Dwayne. Isaac Cornstubble. Hey Dan, wanting to get a group of Epistle Borelii and wanted to ask you if they are coloring up well and wanted to know if you knew if there was any differences between Opal Borelli. So yes, so Opal Borelli are a kind of strain that is uh, line bred. Kind of like if you took a wild guppy and developed a color strain from a wild guppy. An Opal um, Borelli, as I understand it, and if you're a true Pleco nerd, if there's a, not Pleco, we're on Epistos. If there's an Episto expert in here that knows different, let me know. But my understanding is that the Opal Epistogramma Borelli was developed, I think, in the Czech Republic um, and line bred into that color form. So it's like the difference between a wild guppy and a color line bred guppy. Although it's not as extreme. Uh, normal wild Borelli are, are just as beautiful, I think, as an Opal. They have a lot of color, they have a sail fin, they have a lot of iridescence. They're pretty fish too. But that's the difference. And as far as the ones we have, they're not coloring up yet. Those guys are tip of the snout to tip of the tail, maybe around, I don't know, half an inch or so. They're, they're way too small to be showing color or being sexing up yet. Or to be sexing up yet. Alicia Nias, thanks for the info. Are the archers considered jumpers very much? Yes. Thinking of trying a, the freshwater archer in an outdoor tub next summer. They are very much jump resolution, for sure. You will need some kind of mesh or cover over uh, a pond. They're a surface-dwelling fish, and uh, one of their big defenses is to take to the air. All right, Marie Z has some information I didn't know about. If you are trying to join on an iPhone and can't, go to the Fish Fam link and look up Dan's Fish. There is a join membership link 
Use Safari to open it. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Oh, I didn't know that. Thanks, Marie Z. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> I didn't realize that Steenfot had been been making it rain on me here. Thanks, Steenfot. Good to see you, Bob. Hope you're doing well. And again, everybody, if you're gonna buy fish from dancefish.com, please use uh, Steenfot Aquatics link. Let's let's help Bob get his tiny house built. And Kaylee's Aquatics and Exotics throwing down the pippy long stocking cheerleader sticky. Thank you, Bob. I said sticky, sticker. Thank you, Bob. She always brings a smile to my face, or at least to my soul. She makes my heart happy. <laughs> Thanks for my favorite sticker of all time. Um, okay, so I was gonna do something else, but uh, it left my head, so I'm not gonna do that now. Oh, I know what I was gonna do. Um, it's 7.54, usually we do the giveaway later in the evening, but every now and then I like to mix it up to reward people who are here earlier and uh, not reward people that just show up at the last minute in the hopes that they win something, right? So let's do the giveaway now. This is for uh, six Glowlight Danios, uh, Sela Stixthige Chopre. If you don't know that fish, I assume you do, but if you don't, it's, it's this fish. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a peaceful nano fish, quite active, and it really does glow. They top out at maybe a little over an inch. Um, easy to feed, eat flakes, eat pellets, eat live food, frozen food, whatever you give them. They're, they're not a difficult fish by any means. Don't like ammonia, but most fish don't. And uh, I think they're a great starter fish for a nice community aquarium, for sure. So that's what we're giving away. And the winner is George S. George S., you have won a group of Glowlight Danios. Congratulations. You've got a couple minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here and claim your winnings. Why we're waiting on George S. Lucky George. John Snow Radio. I have a South American planted 75 with 20 rummies, 10 green neons, and a pair of SAEs. So it's almost a South American. <laughs> what dance fish tetras would you add to complete the tank? Want a pair of Epistos and a Pleco too? Oh, let's see here. I would go for... I'm going to assume the green neons are adults and so are big enough not to get eaten by these. But, dude, the Coletti Tetras are amazing. I would definitely go with Coletti Tetras. Um, Coletti Tetra... Let me show you this fish. Oh, I love it when our picture is the first one on Google. This is a very bad picture of a very pretty fish. It's showing you the red tail and it's showing you that it has a goldish color. It's not showing you the delightful iridescence that they have. Um, I think this is one of the prettiest tetras out there. Oh, you know what? Um, on the on the video tour that Steenfot Aquatics did while he was here, he did a, a great video. There's a section there where he got some really good B-roll and inserted it into that tour of this fish. So if you haven't seen that yet, um, watch that video and you'll see why I'm saying I think this is a winner. I just think it's so beautiful. Also, Hardy, we haven't had issues with them. They're doing great. So they're about an inch, inch and a quarter right now. Maybe the biggest one, maybe an inch and a half, something like that. And I think that that's, if you want some unique uh, Tetras, and uh, yeah, I think a group of those, they're beautiful and awesome. So that's what I would go for. 
But there's lots of them. Uh, the Colombian Tetra, you know, an old favorite because it's pretty. It's bright blue and red. It's hard to go wrong with those. I like the Silfin Kerosens just because I think they're, or Swordtail Kerosens, just because I think they're so unique. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's lots of options, but those are the ones that pop in my head, and the Coletti pops in my head first and foremost. You know what, for variety though, if you want something completely different, you could do some Splash Tetras. Very different look, different behavior, different cadence in the tank. Or maybe some Sailfin Tetras. Those both, um, most Tetras dart around quickly looking for food and all that, right? They're very active. The Sailfin Tetra and the Splash Tetra is a more kind of calmer rhythm. So if, if the normal Tetras are kind of the faster rhythm, right? That. Then add those others and you'll get a different cadence to add to the tank. Like... Right? And you mix those two together and you get some variety. So it's like a piece of music, right? If the piece of music only has one thing going on the whole time, it gets kind of boring. But if you take that music and you put in different tempos and speeds and volumes and different things, suddenly it becomes this rich... Thing that holds your attention is, is a joy to listen to. So that's how I think of a tank when I'm thinking of stocking it. First, it's like, will these go together? And second, it's like, it's like I'm trying to compose a, pe a piece of music. So the Tetras you have are one rhythm, one cadence. Let's add something different to help round it out. Yeah. Chad Titan, I'm an electrician. We have to be smart and craftsmanlike. Yeah. I think. Absolutely. I love my electrician. I think he's a great guy. Paul Soltero, they don't look like any gudgeon I've seen. Yeah, I know, right? The purple sailfin gudgeons. I agree. To me, they look a lot more like a gara with a big sailfin, but eh, the name's already out there. <laughs> what are you going to do? Kato, welcome. I think I already welcomed you. Yeah, I did. Hey, George is here. Hey, George, welcome. Glad you chimed in. Um, George, if you would kindly send your first name, your last name, and your mailing address to hello at dancefish.com, H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com, we will get the details to you, uh, arrange shipping and all that for those uh, Glow Light Daniels that you have just won. Congratulations and thanks for playing. Okay, scrolling here, we got, oh, it just jumped on me, sorry, I just saw Al's comment, but I wasn't able to read it before it jumped, so let me see if I can scroll up Al and get back to you, I can't, Al, if you would relist your uh, question or comment for me, I'd appreciate it, because chat jumped and now I can't see it, Ira Nelson, Paradise Fish are starting to hit a small growth spurt, awesome, awesome, glad to hear it, I've never met a Paradise Fish I didn't like, I think they're, all the different species are so beautiful. Punky Pam. <laughs> what? That is it's just so close to like punchy, but I get it. I hit send too fast. Do you think your river water system is helping the pipefish babies grow? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I can't think of anything better for a fish than being in an aquarium, if it's in an aquarium, that has constant fresh flow through it. I just can't think of that. There's there's lots of issues. A lot of what 
aquarium keeping in a lot of what aquarium keeping is sorry guys I like I said I'm, I'm tired I was sick last week still haven't quite got back haven't got my sea legs back quite yet <laughs> and let's face it I can be a train wreck on the best of days so here we are um, I think a lot of what keeping an aquarium is is trying to find ways to manage and deal with the challenge of keeping water in a glass box when that water is um, going to be in there for a while. Because anytime there's any metabolic process, the waste products of that process, whether it's a fish digesting, digesting its food, respirating, um, having sex, or all the protozoans, all the bacteria, all the little critters that are in an aquarium, all those things, anytime there's a biologic, proce biologic process, there's, there's waste produced. And how do we deal with the waste that concentrates in an aquarium because the water is in there and isn't going in or out? Well, we usually do that with water changes, right? We're like, well, these things are gonna reach a, a high threshold and damage our fish, um, so we need to do a water change. Sometimes we use plants to help with that. Sometimes there's different filtration systems. There's different chemicals. There's all kinds of ways to go about it. But imagine if you didn't have to go about it. Imagine if you just had so much flow in your aquarium that none of that metabolic waste could build up. Or growth inhibiting hormones or these other things that we, we can run into. So that's what the river water system does for us. So those baby pipefish are not having to worry about uh, concentrated waste products. They don't have to worry about any kind of like growth inhibiting hormones being released to inhibit the, the slower growing ones from getting up to size. Um, yeah, so I think it's the best thing for fish. The, the challenge with raising baby fish, especially baby fish, is how do you keep food in front of these little baby fish because they don't have big stomachs and they have real high metabolisms and they have to eat like all the time at least ideally that's what happens how do you feed them that much especially the kinds of food we have to feed baby fish because they're hard to clean up if they don't eat them how do we feed them enough food while keeping the water clean that's the entire challenge and this system solves that I can feed them a lot of food with the constant flow through we don't have to worry about it getting dirty or toxic or any of that stuff so it's, it's really nice on our end. All right, Maria Z, from earlier, my six Marisay are doing great. Okay, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Um, Johnny, has, has anyone chimed in on email that, that they're having issues? I want to make sure that we have a balanced um, sample here and that I know the whole story. Hey, Train, I got the rummy nose from a store near me. Thanks for the information and advice. Glad you're feeling better. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope they do well for you. And by the way, A Train, I think if anyone that has a mom and pop next to them and they can get quality fish from them, do it. Like, I know that technically they're competitors of dancefish.com, but mom and pops are so important. What are you going to do when your fish has a problem and you need a medication now, right? Well, online's okay, but it's going to take a few days to get there. Mom and, if you got a local mom and pop that stocks it, that's, the, that's a good scenario. What are you going to do when you need live black worms, right? What are you going to do when you need... There's lots of things that mom and pops supply and do that, that I certainly can't as an online business. So, yeah, um, support your local stores whenever you can. As long as 
you can get quality fish from them, they'll thrive from you, great. I, I think that's awesome. Um, in the case where you can't or you can't find what you want there, um, then dancefish.com is here for you. But yeah, support those guys. Regina Phalanges, Dan is such a pro ignoring all of our ridiculousness. Well, until now. <laughs> Fishroom Fever, glad to finally meet you at the Triple Crown. You as well. It was a pleasure. Hope you're doing well. Okay, wow. Here we go. Night Owl Arium. Any chance you're being able to find a pair on your Geophagus Altafrons, or are they too small? They're too small, Night Owl. I'm sorry. Um, I wish I could, but the Altafrons are definitely too small for me to sex. Geophagus, for me to sex, have to get pretty decent size because they have to actually start getting their extended fins on the males and, and coloration and stuff um, before I can sex them. And there are definitely species of geophagus that I can't sex, even when they're fully adult. Um, in fact, I'm trying to think. Yeah, like the, the redhead geophagus or red hump geophagus. Uh, I, I, it's one of the few scientific names I don't even try to say. It's like a long German last name. Those guys, I can tell the males and females uh, more or less when they're full adults. But like wine milleri, I don't know. I don't know if I could tell full-grown wine milleri apart, males and females, because they look so similar. I, they look the same, honestly, to me. Stacy Lynn, rainbow splash tetras. Yes, splash tetras are awesome. We have two varieties. We have a, a copella species, which is one of the ones that actually jumps out of the water and lays its eggs out of the water and then splashes them to keep them moist until they hatch. That's why those have that name. And then we have also the red splash tetra, which uh, I don't think actually does that behavior, but it's closely related. So it's still called a splash tetra. Chat jumped again. Jeez, what's with this chat? Jumpity jumping. Hang on here. I'm trying to find where we were. <laughs> Fresh and John, <laughs> what song do you plan your tanks around? Depends on the day, my friend. Depends on the mood. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> You can never go wrong with a little Queen or David Bowie, in my opinion. Okay, getting back to chat here. Let's see. Okay, almost there, found it. There we are. Paul Soltero, the blue-tailed goodies I picked up at the library auction in Louisville dropped a load of fry when I moved them out of quarantine. Oh, that's awesome. I hope they do well for you. Um, anyone that breeds and raids Gudeids, if, uh, if there is species that can take higher temperatures, so I keep my system at around 79 degrees, if they can take that temperature, then I would love to buy them from you if you're looking for a place to sell them. Um, if they can't, if they're one of the Gudeids, like most of them that need to be kept cooler, right, mid-60s, maybe low-70s, pushing it on the high end, then I can't do it. But if they can take the higher temperatures, Trout good days can take the higher temperatures. There's a few that can. I'm definitely interested. And Paul, congratulations. That's awesome that you were able to get some fry from those. I hope they do well for you. Orange Cones. Hey, Orange Cones. Hope you're doing well. Although I'm sorry to hear of your equipment troubles. Just glad it wasn't the tipper tie equipment. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> Don't worry. We get it repaired in about a year. Ow. 120-gallon hit by Thanos effect. 
wiped out 50% of population, crushed rainbow population, columnaris is a suspected, columnaris is suspected, tank temp 78 to 80, water change bi-weekly, FX6 changes needed, how to treat, keep away. Well, if you know it's columnaris, the most effective treatment I've found for columnaris is a hospital tank, and it needs to be a hospital tank because uh, the medication that I'm going to recommend will absolutely destroy your biological filtration. It might kill your plants as well, and uh, it'll be rough on the ecosystem, which is your aquarium. So um, I would do this in a hospital tank only, but what I use is five grams of salt per liter, so that's five parts per thousand salt per liter of water. It's a bare tank. I don't feed while they're in there, at least not if I can help it. So if the treatment's gonna take a week or two and the fish have good body weight on them, I would not treat during that time because if you do, you're gonna get ammonia problems in your hospital tank and uh, <laughs> then you're never gonna get them healthy. Um, but from a guy that's not a veterinarian or anything, in how I treat columnaris is a tank with five parts per thousand salt and a combination of um, canamycin and nitrofurazone. That's what I found works best on columnaris and aramonis. Now, the big question is, how do we know it's columnaris, right? There are lots of white patches and white saddles on fish that can be caused by things that are not columnaris. We see a white saddle and we say, oh, that's columnaris, but do we really know? Don't know. But if they're doing poorly and you're having losses and you have to try something and we can't figure out exactly what it is, we can't get a, a true diagnosis, then I guess in that case, you know, we make our best guess. That's kind of where we're at in this hobby, not having a lot of aquatic veterinarians around we can go to. So uh, if it's columnaris or I suspected it was columnaris or I was just desperate and the fish were going to die if I didn't do anything, so I might as well try something, that's what I would do. Five parts per thousand salt. Um, canamycin and nitrofurazone as per instructions and uh, an airstone in there, no food, maybe change the water 50% um, every day, something like that to keep any ammonia down because fish will produce ammonia even if you're not feeding them. It's just a byproduct of their biological process. It's less, but it's still produced. And to make sure that your concentrations of, of Antibiotics aren't getting too high. 50% maybe every day or something like that's about what I would do probably. So that's my thought, Al. So sorry to hear that, and I hope that they do well for you. That's a bummer. No emails, says Johnny. Okay, looks like the Marisai are doing well for most folks. Oh, chat just jumped again. Man, it's active tonight. Chat's jumping like cray-cray. Huh. I just said cray-cray like a junior high girl from, you know, 1998. <laughs> what can I say? My inner junior high girl from 1998 is out and strong tonight. Mr. B's CPDs finally bred the Luminatus. Yes! I got from you about a year ago. That's awesome. Took a year, but you did it. Cheers. Congrats. Wow. I just splashed. Lots of fry. All eating, looking good or healthy. Going to keep on going. Love breeding fish. Breeding is pleasure, my friend. Congratulations, goal to you. And uh, if you get so many that you don't know how to get rid of them, I'm in the market always for 
hobbyist bred and raised Luminatus. Okay. Jon Snow Radio. Thank you for the suggestions. Our rummies are platinums, and the Colettis would be a nice shimmer companion. If you have a favorite of Pisto and Pleco to suggest too, we are shopping. On the Pleco, it just depends on your taste, how much Pleco you want to handle, and what you're trying to do. If you want algae control, I think it's hard to beat like a nice ancestress of some kind. A bushy nose, they're great. They look kind of cool. They don't get too big. They eat a ton of algae. They're a great scavenger. I mean, feed them. I know, I know scavengers, sometimes people think you don't have to feed them. <laughs> but they'll, they'll clean up whatever the other fish don't uh, eat. And um, also feed them. And uh, they're not too expensive. They don't break the bank. So that, that's a good option. There's, there's, you can get an albino. You can get a, a wild form. You can get a calico. You can get all kinds of them. They have the greens, they have the snow whites. But there's other ancestors that are really nice. There's nice too. There's like 182s and 183s, which are nice black fish with little spangles on them. There's a. I think the opal. Is the opal a. No, opal's not an ancestress, is it? I don't know. We have one right now from Etenas, which is awesome. It's got a neat honeycomb pattern on it, it's kind of an orange color. But uh, I think it's hard to go wrong with a standard bushy nose. But if you want something really cool and you want to get into like hype and citrus and things like that, you know, that's something worth looking at too. A little different care, not as much of an algae eater for sure, but really cool fish. Mr. Guy, why? What fish will eat Malaysian trumpet snails? I don't know. Isn't that the eternal question? So Malaysian trumpet snails are almost the perfect organism. <laughs> they're, they're alive bearers, so they're very prolific. They can burrow like no one's business, so they're hard to see, hard to find. Their shell is super hard, so it's difficult for any fish to get through it. Fish can actually damage themselves trying to bite through that, so be careful. At least, okay, little caveat here. I try not to just spread myth and lore. I've never tried feeding a Malaysian trumpet snail to a puffer, but I have heard of cases where people did and the puffer uh, couldn't handle it. So, anecdotally, I don't know. Otherwise, I'd say throw in a puffer and they'd eat them. But from what I've heard around the block, even puffers have a hard time with them. And they have a trap door. So if you get a loach to eat them, when the loach comes by, the trumpet snail just closes his trap door and the loach can't eat them. So I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> That's the honest answer. I know so many people that struggle with Malaysian trumpet snails. I don't know anyone that knows how to get rid of them. Uh, besides, like, okay, bleach the tank. Yeah. Okay, next one I can see. For those that might be new, if you leave a question or comment for me, if you would put at symbol dance fish, you'll see in no spaces, just at and immediately dance fish without a space, you'll see dance fish pop up as an option on most devices. Occasionally a phone will let you do it or something. If you click on that, then it turns bright orange here for me when you do that. If you include that in your question or comment, then I'll see it. And that's what I'm looking for. As I go down the chat, I'm just going from orange box to orange box and responding. All these other 
chats in there, I assume are just fun conversations amongst yourselves and are not directed at me. So that's how I manage the chat for those that might be new. If you want to, me to respond, please type at Dan's Fish, select the populated box, and uh, then I will, I'm more likely to see it. Rockin' Fish, looking at the three Sortel Kerasins yesterday, I noticed four babies at the surface. <gasps> I did not get to notice the spawning. Awesome. I've never seen those spawn yet. Oh, that's awesome, Rockin' Fish. Oh, that's so exciting. If, if I wasn't feeling a little off, that would be a massive golasso from me. Consider yourself golazoed. <laughs> oh, there it is, Punchy Paints, showing you exactly how to put the at dance fish to get it highlighting. Thanks, Punchy. Bunny Viper, I have two thin EBAs. I've tried deworming them with general cure to no effect. Any suggestions? Eating well. Thin EBAs that are eating well. I mean, parasites are always a possibility, but... There's a million other things that can cause a fish's metabolism to go haywire. It could be an allergy, could be a virus, could be a bacteria, could be temperature, could be it could be cancer. You know, you, you never know. Um, I don't know if you got them from me, but if you did, I literally spawn and raise those myself. So it's not like they came from a farm or something like that where it's often they grow fish out and like sometimes out in ponds and stuff and they can get stuff um, I literally raised those up myself from from eggs so I'd be a little surprised if they had a parasite but you know they could at any time have been put with a fish that did have a parasite and could have contracted it I don't know I'm sorry bunny viper without actually knowing so what we're looking at thin that's a symptom right what's causing the thinness that's the diagnosis, and that's the part I'm missing. I don't, I don't know how to help you without knowing what's causing it, especially if you've already done the deworming and things. That's that's what, that's what I would try. I well, I guess we could go over dewormers. So there's uh, several different kinds. So um, levamisole is good for roundworms, annelid worms. I think is how you say it. So that seems like, um, like red worms and things like that. Calaminus, is that how you say it? <laughs> Calumnaris. I always I always combine it with like like columnaris, like the bacteria name and the worm name. I always somehow in my brain get, they 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 conflate. Um, but anyway, annelid worms will be will be killed with levamisol. I like flubendazole a lot for other uh, like parasites and stuff inside the fish or in its gills. And there's also prosy and metro. There's others as well, but, but those, that, those ones are pretty darn safe, pretty easy to get your hands on and not too expensive. Don't necessarily wreck the whole environment of the tank when you treat with them and things like that. So I would say, I don't know which dewormer you tried or which antiprotozoan, antiparasite you tried, but if you tried levamisole and did not have success, then maybe try flubendazole and see if that works. And if that doesn't work, maybe try metroprosy in combination. Um, that's kind of how I go through it. When I've got a fish that is showing a symptom that I suspect might be a parasite, but I can't figure out exactly what it is, then I'll try one. If there's no results, then I'll try another one if there's no results. And by the way, I'm not trying it like the 
like I tried for two days, no results, try the next one. I go through the whole treatment process, wait a little while. If I don't see results, then I'll go through the full treatment process of the next medication. Uh, don't, don't cut treatment short unless they're causing damage, is my opinion. Don't want to create super bugs. I'm sorry you're having that issue. Um, not a veterinarian, but that's my best guess. Paul Soltero, the blue tails and trout goodies will do in the mid to upper 70s. Oh, good, the blue tails will? Well, I'm in the market. If you end up getting a big group of those and get a bunch of excess, um, I like to buy fish in quantity. But if, if that happens, Paul, just let me know. And if not, great. And, you know, that's a fish you could probably move yourself locally in your local club pretty easily. Goodeids are hard to come by. But if you ever need an outlet for them, I love goodeids from hobbyists. Orange Cones got 64 more Farwella fry on the way. Hatching should be Monday or Tuesday. That's awesome. Good job. Farwella Whisperer. <laughs> My Epiplatysex Fasciatus are breeding like mad. Love these little guys. Think I'll set them up and try to breed on purpose. Any extra advice? No. If you're doing well, stick with that. Any advice I give you will just screw you up. Like if you were having trouble, I'd have suggestions for you. But Bunny Viper, if you've got them breeding, they're breeding like crazy. Um, if that's working for you, I would, I would leave that there. I guess the only thing I would say is if they're spawning, but you're not seeing many babies, is uh, maybe remove the parents and any other fish from that tank. And I bet babies will appear shortly. Baby brine shrimp does wonders for them. Live baby brine. Oh, okay. Mountain top puffer keeper. Mountain or Malaysian trumpet snails do not last long in puffer tanks. I know a guy. Okay, cool. So maybe puffers will take care of those Malaysian trumpet snails. Good, good. And I suppose it depends on the puffer. Maybe an Amazon puffer can't do it, but maybe a Fahaka can. Like, like I don't know. Raul or Kili's. Um, Priapella compressa, any suggestions for growth? Well, first, Raul, I have to see what that is. Let's take a field trip together. Let's see what this fish is. All right. Oh. So this is a wild type live bearer. Cool. Well, Raul, I literally have never kept this fish. So. I can't help you. I'm sorry. Um, I don't want to just, you know, give you bad advice. Like apparently, <laughs> like apparently puffers can't eat Mount, uh, Malaysian trumpet snails. Um, at least some can, apparently. Um, I don't know what Priapella compressa, I have no experience with this. But if someone here in the hive mind, if you're in the community here watching and you have experience with that fish, would you uh, comment down? tag Raul and get Raul some help. All my MTS and my 75 were taken care of with Zodiac loaches. Okay, cool. Seems like Geek Boys had had good luck with Zodiac loaches. Good to know. I'm glad some people have had some success because literally you're the first people I've heard of that have had success. <laughs> so this is, this is hopeful. Ybor Millie, I gotta know about my mud skipper's my guy, it's funny, my kids say that all the time, what's up my guy? 
For Indian mudskippers, how big a tank is enough for two, four? Can they eat guppies, maybe young guppies if they're too big? Um, Ebor, you're not going to like this, but that's another fish. I, I mean, I've kept them at places I worked, but I've never kept them long term. I don't know much about those. I don't even know the difference between an Indian and an African. I think the Indian stays a little smaller. Um, I do know they'll kill each other. So, I don't, I'm sorry. I would point you to uh, what's Zenzo's channel name? If someone. If one of the mods wouldn't mind linking Zenzo's channel below, um, there's a gentleman in the uh, Fish Fam community named Zenzo. Is it Tazawa Tanks, I think is his channel name, um, who keeps mudskippers and probably knows a lot more about them than I do. So if you can look up his channel, you might get the information you need. And if you message him, he could give you better information than I can. Did I see mudskippers at Danakin? Didn't you have mudskippers at your place too? Could you chime in and let Ebor know? Uh, how many to keep in the tank and stuff like that? I, I just don't know that much about them. Gene Ramlo, green neon tetras or poropanchax luxothalmus? Oh, they're both awesome. I would say that the luxothalmus will probably stay in the upper areas of the tank more often than not, whereas the green neons will probably be in the mid to lower third of the aquarium more than not. So is there an area of your tank that you want more action in? If you want more at the top, I go with the Luxothalmus. If you want more middle to bottom, I'd go with the green neon tetra. And I should put in a big caveat that based on how an aquarium is set up, different flow, different plants or hardscape or cover or whatever um, fish can act very differently but in general Luxothalmus wants to be towards the surface Jay let's see what time it's 827 this might be the last one what are the differences between CW 140 and the smudge spot Corydoras the 140s let's let's just take a quick trip here and show people what we're talking about I mean, they're, they're different species, first of all, as far as we know. So there's that. The 140s don't have that dark... They don't have this much spot towards the base of the tail. So it's got the nice spots on it and stuff. It, it's very similar to a similus looking. It's kind of got the rounded face and all that. But the similus has... You'll see the spot. It's, it's common name, the smudge potter violet... Or purple quarry, all those you know names we throw in fish comes from this, this dark spot at the caudal peduncle here. So kind of rounded, you know, stubby little quarry with lots of spots, but has the big smudge on it, whereas this does not. Now, similis is is quite common. You can find it. The 140s are very rare and hard to come by. So for true corridoras geeks. The 140s more sought after, just because it's harder to find. Um, but they're they're very similar in other ways. Now I don't know for sure if they're from the same lineage and all that. Uh, I haven't dug into that, but superficially they look very very similar. See, Mac PNW joined up. Mac, thanks for joining the uh, Fishmonger crew. Glad to have you aboard, Tyler Janez. 
Bulgarian greens I got from you are gorgeous. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, it takes those angelfish quite a while to finally grow into their own, but when they do, they get that nice seal point on them and that iridescent, those patches of iridescence. I'm glad you like them, and I'm glad to hear that they're doing well. Well, it's 829. I'll sneak one more in. Mel Phillips. My faves are rummy nose and green neons. They all school together, and when you have a dozen of each, it's a beautiful sight. I have strawberry rasboras and a green and green neon rasboras as well. All right, good to hear. Mel brings up a good point. Most fish, I mean, there's exceptions. There's fish that only do well by themselves. Like I'm thinking, like dragon puffers will pretty much kill any other fish in the tank with them, right? Um, but most fish do much better in large groups. The bigger, the better, and. Anytime I'm planning a tank, after running the fish business and seeing what happens when you put large numbers of fish in a decent sized tank versus a few of this and a few of that and a few of that and a few of that, um, I much prefer large groups of a single fish or large groups of a couple species or a few species. There's just something when they get to a critical mass, they show different behavior, they show better coloration. They, they tend to just, I think, look more comfortable and be out and about more. It's just a different experience. So I totally agree with Mel. Um, a dozen of each is a beautiful sight. You know what's even prettier? Three dozen of each in a little larger tank. Like, something I'm really enjoying is the Beck 40 pencil fish that we have. We have a group in a 75-gallon tank. And there's enough negative space in there that they'll school up together. They don't do it all the time. A lot of times they kind of just hang out and shoal and disperse. But every now and then, a few times a day, I would say, they group up and they kind of flow together through the tank. They, they get in a, com not super compact group, but they group up and do that. And it looks like a weather pattern flowing through the sky. And it's really beautiful. And I wouldn't see that if I only had a few of them in the tank or had like six of them and then six of another and six of a different fish. You know, I just wouldn't see that. So I, I really like that. Big groups of small fish. Anyway, that's all the time we've got for today. I want to thank my moderators for being here, for doing what they do. I want to thank for everyone that joined up and became a member. Thanks so much. Um, we're, as soon as we get to that API from YouTube, we'll get cracking on getting the functionality that we plan to give you which is you'll get first dibs on cool fish we get in. And uh, yeah, I think that'll be fun. So thanks for joining up. Everyone that threw money at us in, in terms of super chats, thanks for throwing money at us. Always appreciated, never required, but we are a startup business still. We're scaling up, but we're still a little engine that could. And uh, we very much appreciate all the help. Every penny is important to us, so thank you. Um, everyone that had a question or comment, thanks for being here and making this a lively stream. Thanks to the Lurkers, hail the Lurker Nation. Everyone watching on the replay, hello from the past. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for listening. And thanks to Michael Mellier for making the podcast possible. With that, I'm out. I'll be back, same bat time, same bat channel, next Wednesday. Until then, I sincerely hope you have a wonderful week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.